Assalamu alaikum. This is Ahmed. And Marwa. And this is The Concept of Us. I've been thinking All these nights turning into these meanings It's so misleading Yeah, the concept of us is always changing In God we trust and draw him Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I have a super special guest with us, Mr. Demetrius Woods. Meech, how are you doing, sir? Pretty good. Awesome, awesome. Definitely appreciate you making time to to sit with us today, sit with me and and record this episode. Uh, I know I've been talking to you about this for a while and finally got to actually make time to do it, so I appreciate you. Definitely appreciate you. For sure. Uh, so for people that don't know, uh, you've been through quite a quite a few battles. Uh, a lot of a lot of blessings and challenges that tests that God put you through, and and um, you know you've where I've gotten to to talk to you and meet you at in your life. Uh, you've opened up three or four businesses now, three or four to say the least. Yeah, um, yeah, doing doing a lot of big things. God Moving bless. Moving along, yes, sir, yes, sir. But but um, that's not where you started at. That's not, that's not, not where to begin. So, um, you know, for, for our listeners that don't, don't know your social media, um, you can find him at motivated Michi, uh, motivated M E E C H I. Is that right? Correct. That, yeah. Cool. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your, 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 your life growing up, you know, where, where it all began. Man, that story. <laughs> ever continuing um but my story man i i believe is um a bit of everyone's story yeah um i come up i'm originally from st louis born in 79 okay. so i come up in the 80s um and i come up in poverty man you know um one of those households that had a man and a woman but was really just a woman you know those type of things I, I, so it made things rough man i, I come up pretty pretty poor um and i took that rough as a child seeing my mom struggle um things of that sort um fast forward in 1988 we actually moved from st louis um escaping to columbia yeah and um of course it was like a year and columbia was great coming from the inner city and I thought it was a new lease on life. You know, utilities yeah. weren't getting cut off and things <laughs> like that. And then mom called dad cheating. And um, we were uh, back in St. Louis in the project sleeping on grandmother's floor. And that was 1989. Um, and that was in Colony North. People familiar with the St. Louis area. That's uh, county projects that we had. And that was in the middle of the crack epidemic um, gotcha. in America. You gotcha. know, when you seen the, I don't, I, if you ever seen the old commercials, they had the war on drugs and mm -hmm. everything. So I was, that was outside of my door then. And for me, it. yeah. And, and I was looking for dire opportunity to change my family's life. You know, we were yeah. literally like sleeping on the floor of a two bedroom project with like God 10 bless. people in the house, you know. God bless. So, um, me adapting that ability to, to to be a young man before my time, um, 
I took on that occupation of, of hustling. Um, I used to cut grass and shovel snow, sell candy, and all of those things, man. But um, it didn't take long. I was probably 12 years old, I think, when I sold my first crack rock. And uh-huh. um, being able to take 20 bucks and make it 60 um, kind of did something to me, <laughs> you know, as a Changes kid. Perspective. You know? Yeah, being unintelligent, being hungry, um, hopeless desiring um that that fueled me um for sickness you know which i developed over over um a lifetime which i'm more open you know i work on i work a program of recovery dealing with that mental state but i developed it back then um and that took me man miles in the streets um wasn't long at 15 years old i was getting arrested i got certified as an adult for shooting in St. Louis, um, we were, um, of course, back in St. Louis, and and I received a 120 shock for that. Um, I, I I went in, I got certified, um, did a few months in the county jail, and it bonded out, and eventually went and did a 120 in Boonville. And at that time, I just, had sorry, cre- just for people that don't know, what's a 120? A 120 is 120 days. What it is, they give you four months. You go in there, you do programs. You're incarcerated in prison, mm-hmm. and but but it's um, facilitated. You do programs. It's structured, and then they give a report back to the judge after like 100 days. You get a decent report. You get to come back out on probation, um, kind of gotcha. like a, a a second lease. Instead of just getting probation, they say, "Hey, you really need to go to prison, but we're gonna give you a chance to get it right." It's kind of like a little in-between you structured. Okay. And somebody like me, that was just the beginning of the college tour that I eventually took, gotcha. you know, because I would go on with half of my adult life in institutions yeah. um, from developing that sickness. But um, with with you growing up, like when, you know, when you first started selling crack, like, how was your community impacting you? Like how, how was it to where, was it something that you had to hide? Was it something that like, it was just. No, that, and that's the ironic thing. Um, I would like to say yes with my mother, but my mother's no fool. She just yeah. loved me. And and now I understand the love of a parent, mm-hmm. but um, to, to delve into your, that's a great question because that was part of the thing that, that I would say I allowed to handicap me. Gotcha. Because in my culture, in my community, when you bring home the bacon, guess who you are? You're the man. Yeah. And that's just the way it goes. So at 12, 13, 14, by 14, 15, at 15 years old, I moved out of my mom's house. Hmm. And I would reach back, and I thought I was a man because I was helping (laughs) her pay bills, and now I'm moving on my my first son's mom at that time was 22, and that's what gave me the ability. I, I went from, and now I look back, I wasn't a man. I wasn't grown. I went from one mom to the next, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I acknowledge my, my first son's mom as that. Um, she helped raise me, helped instill certain things in me. But I respect that. I, w- I was way advanced. Um, and at 15, I moved out, and I was dedicated to a life of um, basically crime, man, because, of course, during that era in St. Louis, we had gangs, and that's when I became involuntarily 
involved. Gotcha. And not by force. You know, when you come up in those environments, you know, when I went to juvie for those few months, for one thing, you're not going to be ostracized and left out and be the only guy. So you kind of start hanging with guys and then it becomes a cut. That's the way it happens. And then things get violent and then things get serious and you're a part of. And that's the way it happened. And then when I get out of juvie and now I'm certified as an adult, I got a family and everything and I get back to the streets and now my friends are being jumped on, being harassed. So and, you have to jump. And I'm, you gotta I'm be a there part of family. And, you know, and I, ironic thing, anybody that knows me from childhood know, and I got pretty boy tattooed on my <laughs> forearms, but in St. Louis, we were serious about that. And with, with my repertoire, I used to love wearing red. Yeah. Nautica, polo, the red just looked good. <laughs> and when I got out of juvie, it was like, hey, Meech, man, we can't, hey, we don't do that. Over. We, we gotta, you know, and it changed, you know, it went to, you know, neighborhood meets, you know, it was, <laughs> you know, it, it was blue and gold and then blue and green and it, and those environments, it's all you have. It's all you see, you know, so you become a part of that easy. And I was the guy that used to laugh and say gangs were stupid and y'all weak and this, and I, and I essentially became a part of it. Hmm. That's interesting. That's very interesting because it's people. I feel like people see it as a movie. You know, they Mm -hmm. always think of it as just a movie, like where you get you get cornered into it, you get jumped into it, and and you get forced to stay in that life. And it's it's not even about choosing it. It's it it's circumstances that happen that that present themselves there for you. And so it's you know, I feel like oftentimes people are not able to make a different choice they can't choose something different because they don't have those options there's not someone that's readily there that says hey no chill out you don't need to do that let's come do over this over here let's be -hmm. a part of this program over here where you can develop your skills you're clearly good at what you're doing let's put that in something good you know not 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 endanger yourself and your surrounding and your community even more and that's why one one thing that you always hear me, of course, I represent motivated, the brand, the motivated mantra, the motivated movement. But mm-hmm. outside of motivated, the people that I represent, I title them, I title us as the hopeless. Yeah. You know, because, man, when you instill hope, that's life, you know, and I know mm-hmm. what hopeless is about. I know mm-hmm. the vehicle that sh- that that you have to put hopelessness into to yeah. fuel. I drove it for the majority of my life. Yeah. That's, I mean, you, you said it beautifully and you know, this, that's what the concept of us is about is it's, it's recognizing and identifying those things that we may not realize that we are going through in ourselves where it's, it's a matter of how you perceive your situation and how you further allow yourself to develop from there. So I I think that's awesome. I think that's really awesome because we are all hopeless at some point in time in our life. Mm -hmm. Like we, we all suffer with that and, and I, I feel like that that's it can be something that holds you back and you know keeps you down, or it could be something that you use to identify that you need to change your situation. Like for sure, this isn't working, so I I need to do something else because I'm motivated. Exactly, exactly. That's that's why I love that brand. That's I, as soon as I saw it, I came in and bought a sweater, bought a T-shirt because I mean it's it's the message behind it is so beautiful. Like it's 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 not just how much can I add to my revenue? You know, how much money can I make? It's how much can I inspire? You know, how much can I tell people like you don't have to deal with this life? 
Like, this is not the path that you have to stay on. This is what you're faced with. This is the circumstances that you're in. But you don't need to stay in those circumstances. You have to choose on how to motivate yourself and how to push out and develop. And yeah, that's, that's, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So fast forwarding, man, to give you the, the, the quick sum of my long story. Um, I essentially took on a life of crime. A drug dealing became and, yeah. and, and the drug of choice was cocaine and crack. And, yeah. and I made it pretty big. Um, I eventually went in, um, I come, I went back in, in 98. I did the mm-hmm. 120, 96, went back, come to Columbia and the Columbia, I fell in love with Columbia. In 96, I always tell people, um, I love Columbia like Pac loves Cali. You know, <laughs> uh, Columbia was heaven for me, man. Yeah. And in 96, I was here for about two years eventually and I got back in Dylan more dope than ever. I, I could leave the gang stuff in St. Louis and it was kind of life for me. And, um, 98, I, I got another trafficking accord. And I went down and I did four and a half years then. Mm-hmm. And um, I come back out in December of 02. And I just went to, again, my college. You know, I was around a lot of older guys. I was a lot more advanced. I went into prison. I sold drugs in prison at, <laughs> during most of my time, getting transferred, playing the whole game. I, that's why I did four and a half on a seven-year sentence then. Yeah. And um I blamed it on the system and everything, but my behavior wasn't up to par and they knew it. So I, I get out in 02 and, um, I start kind of wising up, but I, I, I made more money and I, I sold more drugs and I moved to another level. And of course I, I was always raised right. I had a great mom first yeah. off, you know, hands down. And I always wanted better and I knew better. So I always wanted out of the illicit lifestyle even though it was hard with the type of money that I thought I was making. Yeah. Even though I, I, and I made some money, I just wasn't totally responsible, but I opened a couple businesses back then, um, a window tinting company here in Columbia, which is legendary today. And that business is still open and running, um, Tiger Tenting. I started gotcha. that as tent crafters back in 2003. <laughs> is that, that's that one off of, uh, Rogers. College? Yeah, by the bike shop. Yeah, I remember that. Walt's bike shop. I remember that. You betcha. <laughs> and um, I mean, shortly, I, you know, I'm in the, in the game and living double lives. And shortly, I got bored with the Wendleton and I opened Motivated Fashions back then. We keep talking about the word motivated. And back then, I was so discouraged with putting that together. I was a young guy, too. I was about 24, trying to get off the street. You know, I wore those clothes and everything. Mm-hmm. And I made the transition of figuring out how to get distribution and everything. And, 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 and after I did it all the wrong way, you know, selling drugs and that was a real learning point for me. A lot of people don't know that, you know, when I, right after I caught my big trafficking case, which would fast forward us to, um, Oh six, I had, um, I received a line of credit from Wells Fargo for motivated (laughs) fashions, man. (laughs) Yeah, they sent me a, and they sent it on a piece of paper, man. And I heard about this stuff, but they sent me a number and they say, here's 25,000, use it as you may. And it basically said, you grow and we'll grow with you. And that was a, a moment for me as a man, as a person, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and, um, 
I could have I could have took it depressingly, but um, I learned from it in the long haul, and I and I started learning the proper way of economics and making my hustle work for me. You gotcha. know, and um, that 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 lesson took me miles, man. But nevertheless, in in '06, I, I had this little success going in the community. I was a hot hot guy in the streets. Big shot, and um, I had a couple businesses going. Things seemed real good, but and now I look back, life was nervous and crazy as all get out. But I I was arrested on um, I seventy one night, a Friday night. My co defendant was driving. We was in a rental car, and we were going down the highway. And my brother that was driving had seen flares and signs that said it was a drug checkpoint ahead. <laughs> and me, of course, being high on marijuana, you know, I had to be numb to be in the car with that type. To, to be making, I was breaking the number one rule of any hustler. Yeah. You know, having a trunk load of dope and I'm in the passenger seat. And so so me being laid back and kind of half sleep, uh, he said, should I get off? And I said, yeah, man, why? yeah, get off. And right when we hit the exit ramp, I came to and looked up and I seen That's the flares. And I knew it was a Roosh, what they label as a Roosh drug checkpoint. And what that is, is it's a illusion. It's a fake checkpoint. Drug checkpoints are illegal in America. Um, but they scare people to get off. And sure enough, we with a trunk full of drugs got off and it starts then the traffic stop. And my life totally changed at that point. Yeah. I bet that was a, that was a scary experience. Oh man. Like. Life flashes before your eyes type of situation. Especially the the end all, you know, that that was traumatic on so many different levels, you know, and then the ripple effect, the victims that I created within my family and you know, but that was a traumatic experience. I lost a hundred thousand dollars overnight. Everything <laughs> I thought I worked for, I was done. You know, it was done you know and i, I bonded crazy. out um i paid 40 grand cash to a bondsman i was so young and just eager i had a newborn son and i bonded out and um i was only out for a few months before a previous um gun charge i had for carrying a weapon i had to go down for a four-year sentence for that so it was the bond i paid 40 grand for like three months of freedom wow and i'm sitting in prison i eventually go to trial um I went up against the state, and I was penalized for it. I was sentenced to 29 years wow. without the possibility of parole because that old dope charge I caught back when I was like 17, they used that as a drug prior, and the weight of the new substance combined and made it what they call a AWOP, and that's an A without parole, an A felony without parole. For drugs. So wow. I had 29 years without the possibility of parole. And I've lost every, I had your Scott Rosenblums and all of the best defense attorneys here in Missouri from Kansas City to St. Louis. And none of it worked. I lost every appeal in there. I lost almost wow. all of my hope, but I, I stayed motivated, you yeah. know. And um, man, I, the hardest thing for me was the 10th year. You know, I, I never believed that I would do a decade in prison for selling drugs. But the 10th year was was the hardest for me. Um, a point, And that's why you, we always talk about mental health. You always hear me resonate with it. And, and I surpassed that without taking uh, 
pharmaceuticals or anything like mm-hmm. that. But I know mental health is real. My 10th year, it, it, flying off the top walk seems so inviting. Yeah. You know, and that's something that I don't often talk about because that's my stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, that's real. But um, that's... the 11th year, um, I came up, that 10th year, I came up with the motion that got me released in the 11th year. So um, you talk about persevering, mm-hmm. but um, through all of that, you know, and, and of course, having that opportunity, having that fire, that desire to get out and then noticing the things that I was able to accomplish throughout my despair, I started rebuilding myself. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you might you might just be somebody, you know, and, and I started being honest about my insecurities and my questioning in myself. And I started kind of rebuilding myself. And um, and I do this daily now. Yeah. It's, it's never complete. You know, it's a daily exercise. But I remind myself, you can get through it. You can do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, no excuses, no giving up. You know, and, and having that attitude has, of course, changed my focus. You know, the important things and stuff. You you start recategorizing. And that, that's yeah. what you hear, you know, about wisdom, being a man. But... Um, yeah, that that's the sum all, man. So a life of selling drugs, prison. I had five children in the midst of all this lifestyle. So going away for that 11 years, I had one son that was born after I was gone. So wow. his entire life I was incarcerated. Wow. You're talking in a strained relationship now. Of course, I'm a part of all my kids' life yeah. but to the extent that I can. But... You talk about making network, you know, or yeah. my 16-year-old my now who lives with me. I'm, I'm a single father with him, which which is a blessing beyond yeah. explanation. But you talk about making it work after me being in prison since he was 20 months, you yeah. know, and coming out. And, you know, but those are blessings. They're huge blessings, huge blessings. I mean, uh, it's amazing that you went through all of that and you had – you still were able to to push through and because i mean when you were in prison you had to you had to work on getting yourself out like you didn't just finish the sentence out you you got yourself out early right oh for sure um when i went in prison in 07 i was sentenced to 29 years without parole when i went into fulton reception and diagnostic they handed me a parole paper it said you never see the parole board. Your release date is 10-29-2029. So that was right at 23 years flat. Now we're recording this in 22. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. God bless. Yeah, that, that's what I ironically, um, social media and Facebook just had the 10-year challenge. Yeah. And I had to think back 10 years, you know, that, that was 2012, 2011 right there, yeah. you know, and I. Yeah. I was knee deep and I said, I sure had a challenge, you know, and that, and that feels good. Yeah. I, I bet that's a major accomplishment. It just, it feels like you, it, it feels fulfilling because you're, you're, you know, you, you took something that most people would, would crumble from, you know, just to be straightforward. Like not a lot of people can actually survive what you went through, whether it's in the street or it's in the court system, right? Like people get stuck in that and they never break out. And then even when they do get out, unfortunately they find themselves in that same cycle again, because there isn't from what I've seen, 
a real support system for people that come out of prison that are actually trying to redevelop and revamp their lives and, you know, reevaluate what their focus is. There's not a strong program that'll actually help them do that. There's stuff out there. Oh no, you're, you're exactly right. And, it, and, and the people you talk about is me yeah. right across from, you, you know, yeah. 25 years I, I was thugging, man. I mean, we, we're, we're on a respect, you know, we're on a respectful recording, but I mean, let's say what, it, you know, for, yeah. I was America's nightmare for 20. I'm <laughs> lucky to be here. Yeah. Let alone doing this recording, Absolutely. you know, and, and exactly what you said. I would, I would agree, agree in totality. It's not a, a foundation or a setup for people, even if you want to change. And that's what I figured out. And, and that's why I like the principles like of AA and everything. Even when I didn't have per se a spiritual higher power or anything like that, mm -hmm. it teaches you to look within. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing you can control anyway. And when you really want to make a change, when you want to do better, when you go through certain things and, and you want different results, you look within. And, and that's the only thing that, and it, one of the most embarrassing things I share with you for me is I was 37 years old when I had what I call a spiritual awakening. Yeah. That's when I said my spiritual awakening was simply I'm never selling crack or cocaine. And, dude, my life just got cool <laughs> after that. <laughs> of course, I, I, I was fortunate to have a lot of experience, man, with making it through what I went through. And I will yeah. be honest, that has afforded me an advantage in my ambitions. But, man, when I took cocaine and, and crack and, and that mentality out of my life, things start being simple. And, and for 25 years, that decisions seem non-existent yeah even though i always wanted better i really thought it was going to be through that until i woke up but to some it, it's just like you said it's, it's no the help and the ambition and the motivation has to come from within you have to develop it from within and and don't get me wrong even when i didn't have a spiritual higher power my kids always was my higher power and my motivation i feel that and and that and essentially, and being candid and honest with you, that was what made me change my life was a letter from my now 16 year old who lives with me. Hmm. And he, and he told me he was, he was pissed because I didn't make a phone call home when he graduated fifth to sixth grade. And I had to explain to him, <laughs> I had to explain to this kid, like, you know, I had to come up with a valid explanation. Right. And at that you time, to I had, justify it. yeah, man, I, I had noticed that I was literally creating and demonstrating what I spent my life trying to run from, which was the males that I grew up on, my father, my step, mm -hmm. stepfather, you know, and the lack thereof of yeah. supporting my mom or just supporting raising me was supporting it, you know, um, bringing a child and nurturing them, mm -hmm. um, the basic fundamentals feeding, clothing, love, talking, you know. Yeah. And um man, I had to reroute it and that that's when I really start growing up as a man. When I made when I wrote that letter back and made that promise to him. That was that pivotal moment that, that just, was that pivot. That's that's real. Cuz I mean, that's you know, what more of a a purpose do you need than your child saying, "Hey, I need you here, pops." Like uh 
I don't get, the, but I need you here. And that's like, that's, that's just heavy for me to even think about, you know, like that's yeah. a, that's a big weight. And, and, and seeing reality with them being 16 years old and what's going on in the world and in society right now, um, with, and we talked about this earlier with the gravitational force of my culture and my community mm -hmm. at my age in the eighties or, you know, and mm -hmm. look at the world and what's going on and the non control of this generation right now. Yeah. So me being able to be home to have a rough but solid foundation. And to have the attention um, and the physical attention with my son living with me. Um, and, and, of course, and I'm sure we'll get into it, it's far beyond that because now I got sons everywhere in the community and beyond looking yeah. up to me. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's huge. You but, definitely um, have a, a huge inspirational movement that, that you've been pushing, and it's, 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 it's awesome. It's definitely awesome. For sure. Uh, speaking of that 10-year challenge, so, like, what – you know, what, um, what, what would you advise yourself 10 years ago? You know, you now, what would you tell yourself 10 years ago? Like, I would, the first thing I just like to be flippantly honest. And the first thing was everybody ain't your friend. Yeah. And that's, that, that's important, man. Yeah. Um, that, that goes beyond measures, but that's probably what it would be. Everybody isn't your friend. And and one thing about me that I, friend, who, who you involve, you are what you eat. Mm -hmm. So you always have to watch your environment and you have to know that life is transitioning. So don't attach too much mm. to people, places and things because you're going to evolve. That's, yeah. You know, very and that's one thing that I know that I know, you know, we're, we're living in a tragic society right now. You look yeah. at people one day, they dead tomorrow and not even yeah. from violence, you know, they don't even know why they just died. every angle, you know, and yeah. then we heard about these times and hopefully True. it's this is just the time, you know, but yeah, that that would be it, man. Um, everybody isn't your friend. Um, and of course, a whole host of other things. But look at where I'm at now. So probably not too much more that I tell you. <laughs> I'd, I'd say open your eyes, man, because I, yeah. I never knew that my life would, that I'd be sitting here making, taking an interview, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just... know what my self-esteem used to be, bro? <laughs> I never, ever would have thought that I would be having a conversation. Like, I, so, I mean, you, 2006, was i want to say my my rebellious year sure. 2006 to to 2008 that's where i i didn't know what path i was heading out i didn't know where i was going that's actually when i heard about that's when i heard of you at that time really yeah and um and for me now to be sitting here Doing this, it, I, I never would have thought that would have been the case. Huge. Ever. Ever. And, and it's just, you know, like we were talking about before we even started recording, you just God works in mysterious ways. You know, we will never sure. be able to fully understand and comprehend what's what's one hundred percent meant for us. But just the the way that things happen when you're when you're able to really sit and think and recognize those those blessings that come to you, they're they're coming in tests and in in just even that recognition is a test, right? Like you you had so much cash coming in, but it meant nothing. Like it ultimately meant nothing. Purely. But now you're doing something different with a different purpose and a different 
a different, um, not different mindset, but it has a, it has a different purpose, right? Like it, the, the businesses that you run now are not geared towards just pure income and the growth has been phenomenal. Yes, you know, sir. The, the opportunities just continue to come and continue to come. And I, I pray they only continue to come for you. But, but I, I feel like that's, that's one of those things that we just, we don't realize. Like you're saying, like you figured that the way that you were going to have success 25 years ago was with drugs. Like that was going to be the way to do it. And when you realize that, no, I, I can actually do this a, a different way that's less stressful. It And, and I would, respectfully cut you off right there because it the mindset never was that I could do it. I said that I have to do it. Mm. Thank you for that reminder. Yes. That's a very good clarity because it's, it's, it's true. It's not, it's not something you just chose. Um, but kind of talking more about those pressures that you were, you know, we were talking about that you went through the, the pressure that you had growing up versus the pressures that you have now, coming from society do you think there's the same definitely different yeah um today i i don't receive pressure from society yeah i gotta be real man and i and i and i don't have I don't have nothing that I that I've probably had before. Nothing more like physically, financially, or anything. But man, what I have now is an understanding on life, a peace of mind. That's so, beautiful. what I would say, pre- pressures for me is dealing with other individuals and 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 that I choose to attach to, whether it be employees, whether it be the public, whether it be family, and their organization of their mental health. Um, and again, getting back to mental health because, and it, that's what life is, man. For me today with my wisdom, life is more perception than demonstration. Mm-hmm. Demonstration is necessary, which is action. Mm-hmm. But the way you perceive it guides the dem- If You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's weird to explain, you know? So pressures then, I didn't have control. I didn't have understanding. I was a child, um, and a lot of the decisions I made were that of an adolescent, even though being put into the position and given the authority of an adult doesn't mean that I had that ability. Gotcha. Um, and there's studies that prove that, man. We're, we're, we're not mature until we're probably into our thirties, you know? Yeah. And, and of course, and that's why I don't take life as a joke now. Cause to have that opportunity, man, I made it through, you know, some yeah. tight situations. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, I mean, not to get off course, but, um, it, it's different, man. Um, it's, it's purely different. And that, I would just blame that on, on time and wisdom. And that's why I go today and I speak to, you know, from children on up, you know, my peers, guys like you, I'll take time out because I have an understanding. I've, I've made it through some things. A lot yeah. of people haven't. And even those who have haven't gathered the ability to be honest. You know, yeah. um, so I That's just real. choose to be open and, 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 and it makes life better. The way you look at life makes it better. And that goes back to the glass half full, half empty. That stuff makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. And that's all you can control is yeah. how you feel and how you feel is going to dictate the next direction you move. That's very true. That's so real. So, oh, man. So, I mean, we, we talked about mental health quite a bit. For me, I didn't really understand what mental health was until probably about 2017. That's when I really started to recognize that I was struggling with my mental health and I had things that going back 2006 that were still haunting me that I didn't realize were, were still chasing me. Like I just never dealt with them, you know, growing up, mental health wasn't a thing. Did you feel like for you growing up, like, was there an idea of having like taking care of your mental health or is that something that for you has also been more recent? Definitely more recent. Um, growing up and even in my, my culture, my community, mental health is, and even today, is still like a taboo. Yeah. Um, and even me as a kid, as a teenager, I used to, like, oh, she crazy. Or, you know, it's so freely, you know, and mm-hmm. to someone to be taking Medicaid. And still, I, and I spoke on it earlier, I choose and I'm fortunate to see through without having to. But as, as a kid and coming up in my community, that was a taboo. Yeah. To talk about mental health. You were called crazy or you were dysfunctional <laughs> or something. And now I look at it, all of us have mental health, you know, and a lot of us have painful things attached to our mental health. Yep. Um, but now today I definitely um, look at it totally different, you know. Yeah. And it's something that I embrace now. And, and, and that helps me create better, meaningful relationships Absolutely. With people that I allow close around me and even some family, me and my family just had a, a group text mental <laughs> health episode and it came out excellent. You That's know? awesome. We mended some fences, you know. That's beautiful. So, um, yeah, with, with that wisdom and time, man, you get to understand things differently. That's really awesome because it's just like you said, like it, you know, for me growing up, there wasn't an understanding of taking care of your mental health. You know, that wasn't a thing. And especially for men. Yeah. Especially for men. Like yeah. we really, you know, really emphasize that. Cause I mean, if I, I had, I had anger management issues as a child, like, and it's my ability to express myself was very limited. And so I, I didn't know how to communicate those frustrations and what, what was frustrating me at times. And so it was like it was like a weakness, like it was like a something that was gonna forever hold me back. And now that I'm older, it doesn't really have an effect on me anymore. It doesn't have a it doesn't play a role in my life at all. Cause I've been able to process why I had those frustrations. But if you were to pick one lasting message that you would give to the world, what would it be? It would, of course, you know, you got to stay motivated. That's it. But that's the simple one. And that's, that's it's a lot in that word. But, of course, stay motivated. But that's just it, man. You got to keep going forward, man. You got to stay focused. And and we can, we can simmer around what's not. Mm-hmm. But what about putting the energy and the motivation to what is? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that... That clarifies a lot. Yeah. You know, in any situation, if, if you apply those principles, um, we know what's, what's not. But let, let's, let's put some energy into what is. 
You I know like what I mean? And that, and that's the same thing. And I always, th this makes it make more sense when I always put it out. Like I tell people, when you go out and get in your car, are you gonna disconnect the negative or the positive terminal on the battery? Right. If you want to start it, yeah. And it's like, no, it's not gonna start. <laughs> and I'm like, why would you want to take the negative out of your life? You, you could mm -hmm. never enjoy the positive. So okay, things don't go your way. Things went wrong. What about the pot? What about getting over it? That's beautiful. And that's life. You need those negatives. That to is my mental health pill right there. I like so that. I would leave it with that. I like that, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us and, and really chat with me about, you know, chat with the concept of us and with me about, about your life and your experiences. And I mean, you, you shared so many meaningful messages. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Woods. The legend. Thank you again. I'm definitely happy I got to finally sit down with him. Yeah, that was a really, really good conversation. It was very eye opening. Yeah, I feel like it kind of reminded me like why we wanted to have people share their stories. Yeah. Because, like, you never know like what people go through. Like when you see someone successful, you never think about all that they had to go through to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, you just see the, the good stuff. Yeah. You just see like the end result. Right. But you never really understand the steps that people went through to get to where they got. Yeah. Yeah. And the like, like at yeah. the age that we were just like, literally just like my concern was what am I eating and what am I watching? Right. And he was selling drugs. Like he was having to bring money in for his family. Cause like he said, it wasn't cause he chose to do that. It right. wasn't like he was just like, Oh, I'm bored. Let me go do this. No, it's like, we're broke. We need money. This is money I can make easily. Right. Okay. Let's do this. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of judgment. Yeah. Like it's, but like people don't realize that that is sometimes the only option people have. Yeah. Because I mean, it's he easy said for you. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go, no, you're right. Because I mean, yeah, it's it's so easy for people to like to be like, oh well, you could have done something different, or you could have. But he he literally tried. He literally right. talked about how he was doing other things, and they just weren't closing the gap quick enough for them. Yeah, like it just you got to pay bills. I'm sorry, the, exactly. Like everybody knows when when you got to pay your taxes, when you got to pay your bills, you got to pay, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get a little bit of leeway, but you got to pay. Yeah. You're gonna get kicked out if you don't pay rent, right? It's it's it's, it's crazy that he went through that. Yeah, and that's why it's like a huge blessing to be where he's at now, right. from where he started. Yeah, one of the things that I really like that he mentioned was about how you had to like create your motivation from within. Yeah, you really like you can't just rely on external support and external resources. Like you have to do it on your own. Right. Yeah. Because I feel like people confuse motivation and inspiration and discipline. Yeah. Yeah, especially motivation and discipline, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, motivation and discipline. What did I say? Inspiration. Wow. Yeah, no. Motivation <laughs> and discipline. Because like you, when you're motivated, you're excited to do something. Yeah. Like you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Right, which when we started this podcast, yeah, <laughs> really lots <motivated>. of motivation. <laughs> <laughs> but discipline is that like 
I don't feel like doing this, but I know I need to. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like from for him to to get himself out of jail, mm-hmm. to get himself out of prison, yeah. and to, like, get a shorter sentence and, and to get out, like, to be done with that and chose that, close that chapter. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just motivated. Like, there's a lot of discipline there. Yeah. You know, you, he, there's a lot of times where you're, like, you don't want to get up. You don't want to move. You don't want to, like, like he said, like, it, was, it just, giving up was just very inviting. Yeah. But because he, because of his perseverance, because of his discipline, mm-hmm. ultimately, like, Rabbi wanted him to get out of that situation. Yeah. You know, that was the path that Rabbi has for him. And mm-hmm. he, he you know, he's not Muslim. He was talking about, like, like he has faith, but he I, he doesn't identify as a Muslim. But yeah. he still went through some crazy ordeals. Mm-hmm. And Rabbi puts us all through stuff, yeah. regardless of what your belief is. Like, mm-hmm. you're going through a test. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I kudos to him. He's doing, he's doing great. Yeah, I would I would really say awesome. he's doing amazing. Yeah. You know, and and I'm really really happy for him. Right. But I really like that he talks about how everyone's not your friend. Yeah. Cuz that's something that like like when he said that, mm-hmm. I instantly imagined my dad. Yeah. <laughs> like he was sitting there with us. Yeah. Like, I told you, not everyone's your friend. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Yep. <laughs> but you don't learn that when you're younger. Yeah. You know, it, it usually takes a while for people to realize that. So even like the younger generations that are catching on to that mm-hmm. and that are learning how to prioritize themselves and their family yeah. over quote unquote friends, mm-hmm. like they're, they're going to excel quickly in life. Right. I really like that. He um, like going back to everybody isn't your friend. Like, not attaching yourself to anyone or anything. Yeah. Because we are always like evolving. We're always changing. And I feel like sometimes we unintentionally like hold ourselves back mm-hmm. because we are so attached to the certain lifestyle or comfort or yeah. like friends. And we don't realize that, you know, going back to like that cliche quote, like, you are who your friends are kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like it goes even small. Like you don't even have to think about your friends or your circle, right? Like you mm-hmm. just think about yourself. Yeah. Like if you think internally, getting out of your comfort zone and doing things that are, that seem impossible to you by just starting and just doing it, mm-hmm. it helps you develop. Like you start to see the growth that you need and you start to work past those those things that are holding you back. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking about my, you know, my anger management. Like I, I realized that I have to slow down. Like I need to take a step back. Mm-hmm. So that way I can process what it is that I'm going through. Yeah. And we don't do that. Like mm-hmm. We feel like we have to stay in our situation. We have to stay in our position. Yeah. Like the other thing that really like stuck out to me was, um, I feel like mental health, like, is a taboo no matter what culture, mm-hmm. like where you grow up, where you live, whatever. Like to hear him say that too, yeah. it's just like, like why did we grow up in a world where like it's constantly physical health? Like you need to go doctor checkup. Like why was it never your mental health? 
like for me growing up, I felt like, you know, I would feel like anxiety. I would feel depressed or depressed, but again, we didn't know that that was a mental illness. Mm -hmm. So you either try to like hide your symptoms or, you know, you make jokes, you, you're quick to judge others and be like, oh, they're crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. just like what he said, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of how we coped with it was either hiding it or making fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you grow up and you're like, wow, (laughs) like I was actually struggling like my entire life. Yeah. But you don't know. No. And and that's why I say like, it's, it's, it's great to talk about those things Yeah, because if you don't really address them, then they're just going to fester. Exactly. But yeah, like you always like hear like like therapists and doctors say, or I guess therapists, like like if you don't talk about these things and you just try to ignore it and you just sweep mm-hmm. it under the rug, it's just going to make things worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That kind of ties into like how you kind of talk, like talk to yourself or treat yourself or how yeah. you perceive how you perceive you're doing and how you perceive yourself. Yeah. Just like your overall perception. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. Like, like he mentioned, like the way you look at your, your life could make it better or, you know, it like, the way, like yeah. the way you perceive your situation. Exactly, yeah. Like what sucks about like having depression is that like it clouds your perception. Yeah. And like, it's a struggle sometimes like to really see, like all the good you have, like, mm-hmm. but also like, like it clouds how you like feel about yourself. Yeah, and you feel like you're not capable, and you like, what's the point of this? Like, why am I even trying? Why? Yeah, what's the point of even trying? I'm not going to do it. Yeah, it's not going to work out for me. I'm going to fail it. And it makes you feel like you don't have control. That's something that I'm, you know, I struggle with now. Is is not having so much negative self-talk yeah you know like like i'll constantly tell you like i feel like i'm failing or i feel like i'm not doing right or i'm not doing what i'm supposed to be doing and Mm -hmm. and a part of me feels like those are you know like wake up signs or you know signs that i need to be doing things different yeah but i don't just leave it at that and work on my development i you know, I take it steps further and dive down into the rabbit hole of like just negative self-talk. And that can be very dangerous. It can yeah. be extremely dangerous because then you your perception is completely warped. Like you don't know when you're doing good or when you're not. And so like sometimes you create this stress for yourself that's not real. Right. Just because of how you look at something. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, going back to his like like the lasting message, like stay motivated. Yeah. But that, of course that looks different to everybody. Mm -hmm. You just have to find a way to keep yourself motivated. Yeah. Um, Because again, like your depression will kick in and your anxiety or, you know, whatever you're dealing with, Mm -hmm. but you still have to find a way to keep going. Work past it. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like that was really beautiful. And that's why I really love that brand. Yeah. Because like it's it's so, like, it's so deep. And there's so mm-hmm. many levels to it. Yeah. 
like he said, you know, we can simmer around what's not, but you know, what about putting your energy and motivation to what is? And I feel like, like for me personally, like I get lost in worrying about what's not like, yeah. like with the job search, like why are they not calling me? Why are they not, you know, getting back to me? But it's like, okay, but what about what I do have going on? Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, I feel like that's a huge motivation killer to focus on what isn't. Yeah. So just not even motivation, but like an energy drainer. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you're, you're exhausted halfway through the day because you're just like, stressed yeah you're (laughs) literally your brain is racked as soon as you wake up you're just like what about this what about this what about this what if this and 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 and it's just like no like relax (laughs) chill out right deep breath yeah pray to rakas go meditate (laughs) right because like we don't realize like like our time here is a gift like every single second Mm -hmm. and you know like for me, like I forget to like take care of myself because I'm so constantly worried about what's next or yeah. like what, but that's not promised to us, you nope. know, and that's, we get lost in it. So yeah. So stay motivated. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Stay motivated. Thank you so much to Meech for taking the time to, to chat with me and, and to share his insight with you guys and with all of us. Very appreciated. And we tremendously appreciate you guys for listening. You're part of what motivates us. And, um, you know, we, we always, we always end our episode with the same, same message because it's, it's something that's so vital and it's so easy to forget, but please always remember you are loved. You are not alone. Take care.